This is Fam Like a Ghost, and we are live on our Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook channels with Luna. And we've talked to you before, but we didn't have a video podcast, and now we do. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm back. <laughs> yeah, now you're back. And, uh, and now you've actually performed, too, and you've got a new teaser video uh, for your newest song. We're actually going to introduce that, because now on the video podcast, we can show people um, artist work. So we're going to show... Um, this teaser video, and then we're going to talk about what you've been doing. So let me just get it queued up. So this is for Wild Heart. This is teaser part two, because there was a part one. And uh, we're going to play it, and then we'll come back and talk to you. Okay? Sounds right. good. We're going to get into this. Now we're back, and let me get back to the main screen. So that was pretty quick, but uh, yeah, so I mean, that's a pretty cool video. I think it's wait, wait, sorry, <laughs> it jumped to the next thing. <laughs> Usually, we don't have quick videos, so it doesn't jump, but um, so yeah, that was that's pretty cool because I think last time we talked, we weren't really able to show people your work, we talk about your work, and then in the audio podcast, we couldn't really show the work. So that, I think that was kind of cool so people could get the feel of what it's like to actually see you perform or you, how you visually represent yourself. Yeah, and that's awesome because at the time that we did the last interview, I didn't have any of that. So <laughs> I didn't have any visuals to share anyway. So I've grown so much since that last conversation that we had, which is why I was really excited to show you guys the teaser. It's just now yeah like you said there's a visual representation to everything i talked about before and it's just kind of manifested into something real for me and you know having the visuals to go along with the music just makes it feel even that much more real so it's really awesome <laughs> and just to give people a, a background like you you're from los angeles you have like a, a kind of a style that's like classic pop song and uh with like love stories but kind of retro contemporary pop that's um you know got this kind of feel uh that's like romanticism but it's like you know it's got this nice sound and your producer uh, is known as what uh dead friend yes it's, yes um so you uh, put this wild heart song which came out on may 21st on mother wolf records and i guess your second release with them it's my second release with the label my first as a solo artist my first song with them was, uh, I did feature vocals. It was a collab track with three other really awesome artists. One was Echo Zoo, it's his, he's the main guy, it's his song. And mm -hmm. then there was a drummer, Action Paxton, and a really awesome songwriter, Kill Will. So the four of us are all Mother Wolf artists, and we did that song together. And then I ended up releasing this song with Mother Wolf a couple months after. So when you played at the Whiskey Go-Go on July 31st, was that just a solo performance for you or were you with like a whole group of artists on uh, Mother Wolf? Was that like a like a show with everybody? No. Like so your, your show? No, that was my show. That was my first headlining gig ever. Um, 
So I was the headliner at the whiskey. I played with the band. So when I play live uh, mm -hmm. at venues, I play with a full band. That's cool. Yeah, because I'm a big, um, well, even though I'm a solo performer, I play with like, you know, analog synths and like organs and keyboards. And that seems to be kind of a lost thing now because so many people will go out with like a music director, you know, with some kind of Ableton Live and a bunch of like uh, <laughs> tech gear, you know, they're just punching buttons, which is not <laughs> bad. You know, I'm a producer. I punch buttons. I know what it's about. But, but, <laughs> But but I, if I go out to play, I don't want to be like just hitting the CDJ. I actually want to play my right. my, my Roland or a Hammond or something, um, because I kind of like to see what the what the audience reacts to. I think I, like a guitar player wants to hear see how people react to his solo. You know. Well, not only that, but when you add the live instruments to the performance, it just makes the music sound fresh and brand new and. It also kind of appeals to more people. I tend to write very female-centric pop music. It's not exactly easy for men to listen to my songs and relate, you know what I mean? But when yeah, you yeah. hear it with the live band and I'm able to perform it, it, it sounds different. It, yeah. You know, it, it kind of connects with more of an audience a little bit more because now it's not just genre-specific. It's literally a live moment in time and people tend to appreciate that a little bit more you know with pop music you hear it on the radio it's all very programmed but when you add the live elements to it it just it gives it that yeah. really classic feel that people love yeah because i'm a child of the 70s i'm in my 50s so like i grew up with like you know they didn't have computer kind of bands so if i went to go see a band you know i'm seeing like the allman brothers or I see like, you know, I go see Steely Dan or Funkadelic or Earth, Wind and Fire. And the, the whole thing about going to see the band was like, okay, I know what they sound like on record. But when you see like Earth, Wind and Fire for real, there's like, wow, there was like, it was like a big performance. And I kind of still like that as a producer, I kind of try to drive people like, if you can play something, let's play something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. let's not, not, not just do the program stuff, which is cool. And it's during because of COVID. Yeah, it's easier to use the soft sense. It's easier to use all that stuff. But if somebody's got ability to play a guitar or or to do something kind of more unplugged, I kind of like the the less dense mix of like getting the honesty out of the vo vocalist. Yeah. And, like, how would you say like when you go to perform at the Whiskey Go-Go and we, you're with a band, you've got that kind of raw uh, like honesty that you're connecting with the crowd and it's like similar to what, you know, any live band has the ability to do, right? Yeah, and you know what? It's awesome because the band pulls stuff out of me that I didn't even know I had sometimes. Like, it becomes a jam session a little bit when I'm on stage. Sometimes I forget that there's people even watching because I'll just make eye contact with the guitar player and we're just like, yeah, like, you you're feeling this it. moment, I'm feeling this moment, and then all of a sudden, like, we're in this moment together and the audience sees that and they feel that and that raw energy translates to the crowd. And when I perform, I like to give back what I love most about music. And what made me really fall in love with music was watching my favorite artists perform live and their ability to deliver to that, to a story that. and a, an emotion <laughs> and a connection and everybody feels it. We don't know what we're feeling, but we all feel the same thing in the crowd. And 
it feels good. And even when the songs are sad and you're like crying because it's yeah. the saddest song that reminds you of something really, you know, tragic, just that release alone feels good. And then to see somebody else in the crowd crying because they feel the same thing, it's that universal oneness that I love about live music. And that's the energy I try to provide the audience when I'm performing. It's a, that's my, my motto is we're all going to be in this universal oneness together. I'm just facilitating it. <laughs> I think that's really cool because today, um, like I said, there's so many kind of um, perfect sounding music and, and it's sometimes like, like if it's too perfect, it kind of takes what I like about like classic music. You go listen to the Beatles or you listen to any record in the seventies. One of the cool things about it is that there are like happy accidents. Right? There are actually mistakes. Like if you ever listen to like uh, Todd Rundgren, something, anything, or that song, Hello, It's Me. It's this famous like 70s pop song. And it's actually got editing errors in it. <laughs> but but it's like it was done with like a live band and they cut it, but they it actually, you know, and that's kind of common in the 70s and late 60s. You could, you would release a, a record and if it just had a good feel, even if it had errors in it, they would release it and it was kind of like those errors have become like part of the song you know and i think it's like people have strived stri are striving so much to make perfect sounding music they've kind of forgotten that having these happy accents kind of sometimes makes the song right and those and happy accidents definitely happen when you're playing live with the band and, yeah and, I, and only yeah. you know what happened only you <laughs> and the rest of the guys in the band know it happened but because you're professional and they still well, love it What's cool, I think, I think it's fun when you're playing live, is like if you know you made a mistake, and then you 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 can recover from it. Like if you're a professional musician, like you could say, well, yeah, I forgot that lyric or I forgot that section, but you kind of rebound from it and you kind of go with it. You don't just like, oh, stop the song, let's start again. No, you don't do that. <laughs> um, you kind of like you, it's it's kind of cool because then it gives you permission to, to kind of just be more free with your own song. Um, and I think that's really fun because, um, you know, live performance is hard today because it's cool that you actually did it because we're just coming out of kind of COVID and maybe going back into other things because of what's going on now. But, but it's just cool that you were able to actually get out there and perform. I know I was nervous. It wasn't going to happen. <laughs> Uh, there was a point where I was like, is it smart for me to even commit to this? Because what are the odds of the show even happening? You know, there was a lot of rehearsals and time dedication that went into the show. And I was so worried that yeah. there might be another lockdown. Yeah, and, it could um, happen. <laughs> fortunately, there wasn't. And I'm, I'm so grateful that there wasn't because, you know, it turned out to be like the best night <laughs> of my life. Well, that's such a that's such a great famous place, and to see it still there after all of what's happened in the last year and a half, um, you know, this, some of these uh, venues, like in New York and other places, like have had trouble, and some of them are opening again for a little bit, you know, or maybe some of them won't open, um, and so it's just cool to see a place like the Whiskey A Go Go, and that's got such a history, um, with anybody that's into music know, knows the kind of history that's associated with that place. Um, it's it's pretty cool to be able to play there. It's kind of like in, like in New York going to CBGBs or something. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, so it's unfortunate how many venues are closing down or how many are struggling and to open their doors again. But the whiskey is legendary, and 
they they made it they pulled through and it's amazing to play there because you really do feel the history like you walk into that venue and you just feel all the bands the history there and the <laughs> legends and just everybody who's been there and left their mark in that venue you really do feel that and when you hit the stage it's just it's not a very big venue believe it or not it's it's very small very intimate I mean, that's what's cool about it. It's one of the famous ones. It's not one of those big ones, right? You know, and it, don't get me wrong, you you can get a lot of people in there, and it's a very yeah. amazing crowd. But it's not the Greek theater or something huge. You know what I mean? But not one of the big stadiums. You know, like yeah, a festival. Like a lot of people. All, like, but there's so much energy in that little venue, and it's really awesome. I'm so blessed to be able to have played there as many times as I had as I have, and to be able to headline for the first time. That was definitely the biggest milestone in my career so far. So it's pretty awesome to say that I did it there. <laughs> but another question is like, if you play a bigger stage, like I don't know how big a stage you have. Like if you go to these big festivals, like in Europe and even the ones like they have in California, Colorado, it's sometimes it's like, I wonder how it is to connect with the, I mean, I, I think you can, you can see your audience and you can feel the energy because it's a different thing. Like if you got this big crowd, like 100,000, 200, that that's a different type of energy than if you have a really hyped intimate crowd of right. like, you know, 500 to a thousand. I, I find like I, I can, I'm in a zone where I play to like five, three, 500 people. That's what I, the size I typically get to, but, but it's like, I really like that feel. Cause I feel like I'm really connecting and I can actually, you know, I'm like 10, 20 feet away from people um, versus being you know, a thousand feet. Yeah. <laughs> do you have like a preference to like, or it doesn't matter? Cause you just like to perform. I love to perform. Uh, and I've performed in a lot of different size venues and for different size events. I haven't done anything as big as a, a Coachella type festival or anything like mm. that. That's goals for next, like my yeah. next uh, milestone is to get on the festival lineup of that size. But, um, I would say the biggest crowd I've had was at the whiskey. Mm -hmm. And I do appreciate the intimacy of that because like you said, you can look into the crowd and you're making eye contact with somebody. And when you're making that eye contact and you're singing, they feel like you're singing to them. And in that moment, I am singing to them. And yeah. you just, you just, you feel it. You, you're, you blocked eyes, you know, that there's that they're feeling you sing to them and their response. Some some people get a little nervous and they kind of shy <laughs> away and they like, you know, smile or, you know, kind of put their heads down because they, they get a little embarrassed. And other people just, they love it. They like instigate it. And I love yeah. that energy too. When people are like, yeah, you just made eye contact with me. Like, yeah. I'm jamming with you. I, I love that type. Well, I mean, that's why like, like big, you know, you're great. You're, I think the fans that really are into an artist, they'll try to, you know, connect like that. Like the super yeah. fans, they're like, Oh, I want to get, I want this. I'm going to see if I can get Prince's attention. Like I, I was a big fan of Prince. Like, so I go to Paisley park and I'd be like, it, yeah, they're trying to get him to look at me. One time he did, and he was like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like, you know, he just was such a big influence to me um, as a, as a musician overall. Even Likewise. I'm a keyboardist and stuff, and just his vocal, everything he did uh, was just so big to me. And I, you know, he's kind of like Stevie Wonder when I was growing up. He was like the guy because it made me want to get on the keyboards. Really? I was, yeah, because I was listening to like uh, songs in the key of life, and the synthesizer stuff that he does on that is like incredible. 
and it really made me say what I actually started to wonder is like what is he playing <laughs> and I started to look look up like what type of synthesizers and keyboards he was playing I said wow and that's how I got into it because I was like wow he had a bunch of them and I'm like wow and and it still inspires me to this day like what he could do with them but um so like yeah a question that I always ask people like who are your influences and your heroes I mean I've mentioned Prince and Stevie Wonder but like who who are the people that influenced you mine are all here on this wall on i don't wall. know if you could see it this oh is i see my, the guitar i see the guitar my wall of idols here oh wow so you got we're actually in my little studio in my apartment i have a loft so this is um i nice. converted the loft into a little studio so yeah i mean my biggest idols are share is a, a very big one i grew up heavy listening to share um madonna mm -hmm. selena uh selena of course lana del rey Gwen Stefani, I, I saw Gwen yeah. Stefani. That was the first concert I ever went to. And I saw her as a female lead with an all male band. And I was like, I want to do that for the Yeah, rest it's kind of like Blondie. Day. She kind of reminded me of like a Blondie in New York. You know, she yeah, like just like this really strong female. Because she was like super strong like that lead. with those guys. Because she had an all guy band too. And, and she had this kind of punk attitude. And she did yeah. too. They both had this thing, you know, Blondie was like ahead of her, but like she did the same thing and she hit really big. And it was like, wow, that's uh, really impressive when you can like, you know, integrate like that. Stevie Nicks was kind of like that with Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. In fact, she Stevie's was another one of my big idols. I love Stevie Nicks. I grew up listening to a lot of her stuff. I also yeah. love Lady Gaga. She's probably my more contemporary favorite artist. I, I like Lady Gaga a lot because she kind of channels Bowie. In terms yeah, of her does. ability to um, do like that, like like more theatrical stuff. A little Bowie, um, a little uh, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's got that tradition which I really like from the seventies. Is they would like Bowie asked him like, "Why are you doing?" It? It's like, "Well, I'm not, gonna, I'm not just going to go out there with blue jeans and stuff. I want to, I want to <laughs> do, I want to do a show." Right. And he was coming from it from this idea that you actually do theater. Like when you did Ziggy, you did the Thin Thin White Duke, you did, yeah. you know, uh, you know all these characters. You know, he would create, you know, Aladdin. Saying he just every time he had a record, he create a new character, and and I think that was really cool to actually see a guy that was so into it. And Freddie Mercury did the same thing. If you go back to Bohemian Rhapsody, he had this different version of himself compared to what he did. Like We Are the Champions, that's a different look. He would right. change his look, change his whole attitude, and he would like that would represent that album, the way he would dress, the costumes, everything. I think that's kind of cool. And so, do you? I, I noticed in your performance, you wear some stagecraft too. I do, and I I actually uh, am very similar as an artist in that way. Like for me, each song that I write is an extension of myself, and it's a representation of who I was either at the time that I wrote it mm -hmm. or who I may have been at some point in my life that inspired me to write a song about it. And for me, I might not be that person anymore. I might not feel those same things or think that way anymore. So that's just a chapter mm -hmm. of my life. Each song is a chapter. It's its own character. It's its own story, its own point in time. So I do switch up my looks for pretty much each song, <laughs> each song, it's always a different hair color or a different era that I am paying homage to. And that's something that I really picked up from Lady Gaga specifically and, and Lana yeah. Del Rey as well. Like those two artists um, 
what I love most about them is their ability to recreate themselves with every project they put out. It's it's always a different character. You know, late, Lana Del Rey pulls from like the 60s, the Nancy Sinatra era too. Yeah. And she pulls from <laughs> even like the Jackie Onassis and yeah, she has uh, an awesome JFK. sense of style. Yeah, she even pulls she from that style. era. Her style kind of has this kind of Twin Peaks, kind of David Lynch, Lynch look. You know, he's yeah. like, I get the I get the feel. You know what she's doing. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of like bands like Pink Floyd yeah. and uh in the Who because like they would come out and do like rock operas. And and for each opera, they'd have a different look for the band, you know. So like when they do Tommy, who the Who did Tommy, they had this look to represent that whole rock opera. It's a story. And they right. do this big story on stage, and then Pink Floyd, the wall, they actually had a wall on the stage, and as they did the concert, they build the wall. And by the time the concert went over, the whole band was like behind the wall. <laughs> and that was like, I, that's, I was like, I'm really into when bands do that. I'm like, wow, that's cool. Cause you're actually taking this art concept beyond the music yeah. and doing it on the stage. And I'm like, I'm, I'm very much into that. <laughs> I wish I was alive during that time to see that because I, I'm so inspired by that era of music for that reason. Like, I feel that's when, when, artists kind of realized how visuals and art installations and just stage production can yeah. enhance the music. And that's something that I, even yeah. on my show at the Whiskey A Go-Go really kind of worked on for the first time. It was a full on show. Like I don't like to just stand up there and sing my songs in order. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's definitely a full performance and I wish I had my videos up on YouTube already, so that way you guys can see the full effect I've of seen how I've I've seen pieces of it, and it did look awesome. I mean, the, the pieces. <laughs> I saw your stage. I saw you wearing your stage outfits. Yes. I saw the, your performance, and I was like, "That's cool." Because, like, I, I always do believe that, like, you know, when you when you're out there, you know, you don't want to be like. There's some bands in the '70s that got so into the musicianship they would like turn their back to the audience and just noodle. And they would play, and it's like playing perfect, but it's like there was no engagement yeah. of the of the crowd. And it's like I think there's kind of a fine line between being able to play really well and then engaging the crowd, and you know connecting. And and how you do that with outfits or costumes or themes or dancers or whatever. I think it's cool to have like a show. Yeah, and that's that's definitely the type of artist I want to be. Like, there's a much bigger vision to it, and. I, I don't necessarily have the tools to make that happen yet. And I also mm -hmm. haven't had the stage <laughs> to be able to make that happen. It's like yeah, for yeah. My, what I see in my head, I definitely need stadiums and arenas to put that, yeah, to pull that off. But the Whiskey Go Go was a really good starting point and a really good seed that was planted to kind of show everybody what kind of performer. I'm going to be and it was it was really awesome it was my first time working with a designer i worked with um a designer her name is brianna helton designs who made that whole outfit for me and um what was really awesome about it was because like you said it just added to the theatrics of the performance like the outfit started off as one thing and then halfway through it was like all right remove the jacket and now it's something new and remove the skirt and now it's like the final outfit so there was like 
an evolution. It was even planned with out like Cher. Like Cher. Like yeah, exactly. Cher used to do that. Like yeah, I was I changing I characters. <laughs> I was changing characters within the performance, like before people's eyes. Whether they caught on to it or not, there was yeah. there was a growth um, that yeah, was yeah. taking place and a story that was being told throughout the performance. Everything from the set list, which the order we played the songs in, it was all intended to deliver a message. And um, it was fun. That was the first time I really got to put on a full performance the way I wanted to. And yeah. we did it in 25 days. <laughs> My band and I pulled it together and we only rehearsed three times. So that's pretty good. Very organic and very. Well, I think it's good crazy. to not over practice. I'm, I'm a big believer in practicing, but like if you over practice, you kind of, there's something about the spontaneity. I was like, hey, you know it. Go out there and do it, but don't go get so crazy that you do it like 50 times where you don't really need to you know right well um, it was nerve-wracking because it was everybody's first time performing since like 2019 because of covid so oh yes I mean, we all I had those jitters it was like <laughs> first time out there baby's first performance <laughs> but cool so you you think you're gonna work with your designer again or go with the different people every time um i'm the type of person where i love to collaborate with as many people as possible. But when I have a good working relationship with somebody and it's organic and it feels effortless, I'm also a comfort of, or a creature of comfort in that I enjoy knowing that I can work with somebody and I'm gonna get this type of project or we get along this kind of way. For me, my creative process has to be very easy going like that. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, um, it takes me a minute to warm up. <laughs> I'm a little bit like a cat. I, I I get along with everybody, but it takes me a little bit to get feel that, you know, we can work together or that I can trust you with my vision because my, my visions and my ideas are my babies. And it's like, can I trust you with that? So yeah. I, I, I definitely like to work with the people who I've worked well with in the past, but I'm always open to working with new people as well. And, I believe in community. So if you're cool, you know, I'm happy to introduce you to all the other cool people I know and what can we make together. So yeah, like building a community around the music is something that I want to do behind the scenes and eventually have my own, um, my own creative company where I have like my go-to people that every time I need a music video done, it's like, all right, call them yeah. up and you know, they're ready to go. They know like we're, you know, we're just waiting for you to give us that that call that you need us kind of situation. So um, I'm kind of building that right now, building myself a real team. And it feels good to have the solid foundation of a team that I have at the moment. So I probably will work with the designer again. Um, she designed a bunch of stuff for the show that we didn't end up using. So I told her, I was like, I can use this for other things. I'm definitely going to be <laughs> contacting you in the future. <laughs> That's cool. So that's kind of like what we do with the podcast. We've kind of built this podcast community and um, that gets into the idea of, um, you know, we've just in July, we had a bedroom producer festival where we had 22 of our, the guests that were on the show actually do 30 minute, sh um, a 30 minute live performance. And so what we've been trying to do with this podcast is build a community of independent indie musicians that we all, you know, know each other because we talk to each other and we do these interviews. And I decided, well, you know, because people can't play, 
in the venues as much. Let's use this platform to give people like a live venue. Um, Very cool. So we did that with a three day festival. We had 22 bands play. Uh, wow. We got pretty good, good engagement over three days. And we're going to do it again in November. And we're starting to get a lot more people interested. We've got at least 10 bands already interested in doing it again. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I think it is a good idea to build like a collective. And, you know, what I've done is like a collective of all these independent musicians all over the world that come onto my podcast. And then what's been cool lately is actually people who have been on my podcast actually talk to other people who have been on my podcast and then go collaborate. That's awesome. Which is, which is what that's I what it's all want. about. That's what I wanted to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, that's cool. Cause like, feel free to watch my show. And then if you dig another artist and you see him on Instagram, it's like, Hey, I was on the show too. You want to, you want to work on something? And yeah, we've actually had people do that. And that, that that's what the, I think the goal in the indie world is like, we don't need the big label sometimes to help us. We can kind of find our own way. Um, you know, we, we can get, you know, cause you're, you're an independent person. You want to drive your own career. Right. And you, if you right. want to work with somebody, you want to be able to work with whoever you want to work with. <laughs> exactly. And I love that. I, I totally appreciate and respect that you do that for the community that you're building around these podcasts, because it's so important for independent artists to have a community. When I first started, I, I, I didn't go to school for music. I, I didn't take music classes. I'm the only person in my family who is musically inclined. And anyway, besides my step grandpas who came into the picture later in my life, mm -hmm. who actually was the organ player for the Temptations for a while. He's he's a pretty cool oh, awesome. cat. That's a cool, cool cat. cat. But very modest cool. about it. And he's he's been my my and my step grandpa and in my life for I don't know, maybe fifteen or so years and I didn't even know he, he did was that. did that. Yeah, until um I was much older, like I had already been in college and started Learning did music he give on you any own. any advice? Like once you knew that, did he tell you about the way the music career business is? Did um, he kind of give you any kind of hints? He always tells me to be careful. He <laughs> yeah. always tells me to be careful and to be true to myself and to always give it 110%. And I do that. So That's being advice. independent gives me that luxury to kind of be able to do, to be more of myself. And I, I have released my song Wild Heart on a label um so that's my first like time working with the label but i'm still an independent artist at the end of the day i'm i'm still unsigned i guess you could say and that oh, i'm cool. not affiliated with any label other than my music has been distributed on mother wolf and i don't yeah. know i may i may consider signing with them or even other another label in the future but for right now my main focus is to really just perfect my my show because what I'm trying to do as an artist, is, it, it goes beyond the music. It, it really is a show, a performance. My goal yeah, you're is, a performing is to, artist. You're yeah, not just a, my, my goal there's a lot of people today and that are just people to watch. Well, there are people today who are kind of like what happened to the Beatles. They became just a recording act. Like there's a certain point where the Beatles stopped performing live and all they did is do two albums and they never played live again. And I, I'm kind of like, you know, like the Stones. The Stones always played live. They still right? play live. <laughs> they still play live. But it's like, like there's a different attitude, right? Like where the Stones are like, yeah, we're going to go out there and we're going to do this blues rock. And it's real p powerful. It's, it's got these roots 
they go into like the Delta Mississippi and it's got this stuff that mixed with like London European concepts along with this Delta stuff. And when you hear, you know, Keith Richards on stage doing what he does, it's like, wow, there's something really like he's not. I always try to tell people today, you can't track Keith Richards on a DAW because the way he plays that guitar, it doesn't track because he's playing it like a jazz guy. It's very, it's all over the place, but it, it, it feels like it's really got something in it. And it does. It's got this kind of feeling. It's hard to pin down. But but that's what I really like about like live bands. Is it's yeah. kind of you know you always get that kind of organic feel like you know, with the dead or or the stones or that, that's that's always... like if you really think about it too, like music gives off a frequency, it gives off an energy, and when you're hearing it live in the audience that that frequency and that energy is literally hitting you it's entering you and flowing through you but when you listen to it on your headphones or even on your bluetooth speaker at home you know you're still you're still feeling the frequencies and you're still getting that energy but there's just something so pure and different about the voice even like hearing a singer's voice live you hear the breath you hear every little like voice crack even if it's tiny all the things that get cut out yeah in post-production when you're done recording a song all those little bits and pieces that get cut out so that it sounds as perfect as possible you feel the more of the emotion when you hear it live and that's that's what music is that's what makes it a universal language it's because you can feel it and i i I really hope that the future of music allows for more live performance opportunities where people can be in attendance because I feel like if we lose that that live audience element to music, music is gonna become like books. They're gonna just it's gonna be this thing that we used to do and we used to have, but well, it, it will get more robotic, you know, it gets yeah, more and that's and we'll, not that's it's kind of like that's not fun because like like yeah. even when I do stuff, you know, I'm by myself in my studio, but I'm using all this analog equipment. And I'm not using a DAW. I'm like, I'm just tracking to like hardware recorders. And one of the things I like to do as, as an artist is like, you know, if you think about a lot of the bands in, in the in the 60s and the 70s, they just go and jam. And then the jam became the song. Right. And then, you know, they, they, they and I still like to record that way. A lot of what I do today, and I've told a lot of people I produce is like, I will do a live like Facebook live and I will record it. And I do, I do like a brand new song and I put it out there just whether I do errors or not, just to kind of force myself to play something kind of just stream of consciousness. And Frank Zappa used to talk about doing that all the time. And I really have found that it causes me to do things I wouldn't do if I kept on stopping the tape and going back and stopping and going back. I actually create this very interesting thing. I go back and I'll find, I'll find a groove if I play like an hour, I'll find something in that tape and then I'll work with other tapes and then I'll end up putting something together. And it's, it's a cool way of, of kind of forcing yourself to come up with something new because right. you can't, can't start again. <laughs> you just put yourself out there live and then, you know, and then it, it, if you in front of a venue, it's even better. Cause you have like, you have, you know, an audience to kind of trigger what, what people do. I mean, I've heard a lot of good stories about bands on tour that create their next album because they're touring 
and they get that energy from the crowd and they try new stuff. Yeah. And then that becomes the material that goes to the next record. And, you know, when you can't do that, then you're kind of stuck with just doing it in the studio. That's yeah. That's kind of what my goal is for the rest of this year is um, definitely to start playing more venues, expanding outside of LA and kind of maybe doing a mini tour up and down California, even, you know, heading out to Arizona, Nevada, just really trying to spread myself yeah. as far as I can at the moment. And, while all that is taking place, um, my producer, Dead Friend, and I are, are in the middle. Well, not in the middle. We're at the very beginning of writing an album. Cool. Um, so there's definitely an album in the works. But I'm really taking my time with this album this time. I'm really making sure that every song is exactly what I want to represent this next phase of my music. If, you know, I really want to make sure that... Um, it sounds right that the lyrics are right that the message is right so we're gonna definitely be writing and experimenting with crowds at different venues to see what songs hit what songs work. don't just be a little bit more awesome. strategic <laughs> I, I love doing that because like i think it's really cool when you are able to like try new material on the audience and then you find something that works right, right. and then you're like and even the, the, the ones that don't work it, it, it it's a lesson you know it helps you as a musician, it's like, okay, that didn't work, but then this yeah. one did. And sometimes the stuff that you didn't think was going to work, actually the crowd likes the most. It's like, the I thing know. Like, exactly. I'm like, I really don't like this, but like the crowd digs it so much that I guess I guess should do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, exactly. um, but there's it's nothing cool. more real than live audience feedback. <laughs> yeah, they give you the real deal. It's like, it's like, well, I didn't think that would work, but they like it. It's okay, <laughs> it works. But it's interesting when you talk about like when you work on an album. Right. And in a studio, you have all these tools to make something sound like you can't really always reproduce it live. Right. So the album becomes like this different thing than what you'd perform. I've noticed like as a musician, like, okay, what you put into like, if you listen to like Sgt. Pepper's, there's stuff there you can't really replicate live. Right. There's all this like back, there's one all the studio artistry, backward tape loops, all these things that you can't really do. I mean, today you could run things, maybe you could do it with the backing tracks, but um, but but the whole idea is like when you go to play live, it's a it's different than what you do on the album. I think you have a different mindset when you're in the studio because you can do things you can't do on stage. Okay, right. you could go and record your voice 50 times, exactly, you know, and make this big choir of yourself. Well, how are you going to replicate that unless you bring like 50 people on stage? Yeah, just sing it with you, exactly. <laughs> you can sing with you. So, so there's stuff you can do that you can't do. And then that means that when you go to perform the song, you might make have to change it because you can't have that with you. Um, yeah, I'm a very hybrid performer in that I really appreciate and love the old style of recording. Like, I think it's amazing how most of Stevie Nicks' songs are all one takes. Granted, it might be the hundredth one take of the day, but everybody yeah. back then recorded one takes and you it was literally the best one take one. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's really awesome. But then again, you know, I, I realize that it's modern times and I do have the tools to be able to record something 50 times if I want to and just cut and paste and fix things. So I, we definitely work with a little bit of both um, mm -hmm. in terms of like how our recording process goes. But when I perform live, we do have the backing tracks for the most part. The band plays with the backing tracks. But 
my music is also programs, but in a way that the instrumentalists still have a lot of freedom to play yeah, and to kind play. of add stuff to it and to yeah, incorporate not totally things that in. might not even be there without it clashing. So I'm fortunate that my producer also has like a really good idea as to how to go into the studio sessions with me because he knows that my vision is to perform this live. So we always, whenever I write, I always think like, what is this going to look and sound like live? That's interesting. Cause I, there was a story with like the who, when they wrote Tommy and they could have done like 16 tracks. Right. And they had the ability cause they had like the first time they were in a studio had 16 tracks and they kind of said, well, we're going to do this live. And there's only four of us we're maybe only going to do out to like six tracks because that's like, we want to perform it live. So they purposely didn't take advantage of what they could have done because they wanted to be able to perform it with four guys and that's it and not add anybody else. Um, and so I think that's interesting today that you do have the ability that you, you know, with the backing tracks and Ableton live and all these other things that you could actually go on stage and replicate almost exactly what's on your record. But then, like you said, sometimes people get stuck where if you do too much of that, you're locked in so tight that you can't deviate from the radio version of the song. Right. And then, then that becomes like not as fun to yeah. me as, as a musician. Cause then I'm like, if I'm totally locked in, then I'm like, I can't, I don't have a lot of room to really deviate on this thing. I have to kind of stay totally locked in. And I'm like, I, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because all my bandmates, uh, we actually performed together for the first time at the Whiskey. And um, they, they all had that feedback. They were like, you know what? We really liked playing this music because I had enough space to like be myself as an instrumentalist and like add a little flair here and there. Yeah. So I, like, I think yeah. any musician is going to tell you that. They'll really, yeah. if they're being honest, it's like, I, I don't want to be locked in note for note. Right. If I don't yeah. have to. And Not I don't I, either. I don't yeah, either. Yeah. Like, even as a vocalist, like I don't want to have to sing the same repetitive chorus. Like I want to be able to drift kind of off and like focus on the harmonies and belt or like do something really in the moment. So yeah, when we record all my songs, we always have that in mind. Is that we need we need room to breathe for the live performance. Well, I think it's what's cool if you think about it. There was a story like Dylan. Like he, I, I love Bob Dylan. And he's got like the famous song Tangled Up in Blue, right? And that song is like, you know, about his divorce. And he's got multiple versions of it, right? And sometimes when he would play live, he'd have a different set of verses. Because I've got like all these, um, I'm a big Dylan fan, so I've got all like the variations of his songs. <laughs> and he's got like multiple variations of that song, have different sets of lyrics. And I actually saw him play a bunch of times where he would actually go and use like the non-standard, not the album version. The he would actually go and use a whole different set of lyrics. Wow. And, one, and I was like, that, I always like, I love that when <laughs> an artist does that, because then it's like, I'm, I, I get so deep into somebody's catalog that I, like, I know like Jim Morrison had a different version at the end. And sometimes if you watch him play uh, on tape, you could hear the different versions that he would do. And I was, I was like, I like each one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to know about all of them. And uh, yeah, I just think it's cool when people are allowed to have that kind of freedom. Because um, it makes it interesting for the fan too. I think that like, if you go in, it's like, well, I don't know if like Eddie Vedder is going to do this song the same way with Pearl Jam's kind of famous for that. 
they would go out and they still kind of do this old 60s, 70s kind of mentality that when they play, they run different versions of the songs. Amy Winehouse was really good at that too. Yeah, she used to say that she didn't want to do it the same. I think I saw some interview with her, a documentary, and they, she said it was boring to do it. Yeah, the so same she way. would, so she would change the songs because she just didn't want to do them the same all the time. Yeah, and it's really cool when you go back and listen because it gives you like all this extra work to listen to. Yeah. Like if you it listen does. to her, her live it work, maybe like you have all this additional stuff. You're like, wow, like you kind of know like she was feeling a certain way one night, and she's gonna run this different set of lyrics. And it's like really cool because then you kind of get a window into the artist. It's okay, but they're feeling a certain way. So then they reflected that in their performance. Yeah. It makes you connect to them in a different way, you know. It also kind of adds another element of like raw emotion, raw like realness to it because she's singing it based on how she feels in that moment, you know, like maybe yeah. she doesn't want to sing rehab as a, an aggressive angry song maybe that night she's feeling sad about rehab and like all yeah. of a sudden she sings it a little different and it makes it a new song same words or yeah. maybe different little variations here and there but now all of a sudden as an amy winehouse fan you're like whoa maybe rehab is a sad song you know what i mean it just yeah it depends on more what you interpretation do. yeah exactly yeah. I'm a big Hendrix fan, and there's all these versions of Hendrix, and like it's dependent on his mood. Yeah, he would he would come into something, and you're like, wow, he's like he seems angry tonight. Or the other, <laughs> yeah. like, then other nights, like he feels feel like he's really doing something really beautiful. And because a lot of people like his voice is kind of, but he could do very beautiful like a falsetto. And when he was like really paying attention to when he wanted to play, he could do this really pretty falsetto that he didn't, he was kind of never really liked his own voice, but he had this really good uh, sound he could do sometimes with his voice. And it was underrated. And when you hear it, you're like, wow, that's beautiful. Uh, and, and when he felt like he was confident enough to do it, he could do it. Cause sometimes he had confidence problems for being the greatest guitar player in the world, but he had uh -huh. issues. And sometimes like when you hear it, it, when he really got the pitch right, you were like, wow, so, so, moving you know to get somebody that's like that real yeah. um and that's what i like about live performances like you know you think about the realness of the artist that you know you're not they're not just running like oh i'm just doing the same thing i did last night because right. <laughs> you, you, the reason why you do what you do right is because you believe in it and you're passionate about it and you want to give that feel to the audience right that's why you do it yeah a hundred percent so when you're doing an album, one thing I want to ask before we probably break off is um, today is like this, we live in a world of like the Spotify playlist, right? So I thought it was really interesting you saying you're doing an album. And I do see EPs and albums coming back, but there's so many things that are focused just on singles. that It was really cool to hear that you're actually going to do an album because I'm a child of the 70s again. And I all I used to consume and I still do is albums i try to find people who are doing albums because i still love that form because i like to hear an artist's complete thought yeah i mean like you i am very inspired by the pop stars of the past and the pop stars that i love and admire write albums <laughs> so they write albums that that's what i'm gonna do i i want i want to be like who i admire most i'm not trying to be 
a different version of that. I mean, I'm going to be my own version of that. Don't get me wrong, yeah, yeah. but I'm not yeah, going to yeah. try to stray from what my overall goal is just because streaming is king right now. Um, I, I somewhat feel like it's a little bit of a trend, you know, like we're like all things, it's a little bit of a trend. And I feel like with time, old things come back. <laughs> I think and, it's the strength, the strength of your material, you know, and, I, yeah, too. and that too. And it's, I think a lot of it is instant gratification right now, you know, social media and just the nature of the world that we live in, everything needs to be fast and instant and the attention span isn't that long anymore. And, um, that may be true, but if you have something that's really good, people are going to continue to listen. Well, yeah, if you people listen to hip, yeah. if you look at hip hop, the, the idea that you can't do an album because people don't listen to it, it's not true. Because if you go look at like well, like a guy like Kanye West, or you look at uh, Tyler the Creator, or Earl Sweatshirt, or Frank Ocean, people go and buy their full albums they and they listen to the full record because they have albums they're like even concept albums they've got people albums. were waiting people were waiting for kanye to drop an album what just last week or was it a yeah. week or two ago yeah, and he didn't really, and people didn't. are still waiting and that's he's dropping a full album you know yeah because he i had think people themes. still i think people still love albums i think there really is space for it um i i, I do plan on dropping singles to kind of tease yeah, and introduce the album it. you know I'm, I'm still gonna I'm going to play both. I'm going to utilize the trend of singles, but I'm still going to commit to the goal that I have for myself and my art, which is the album. And I'm a hybrid type person. I see I'm not I'm not just left, I'm not just right. I can well, it is see the combination the of both. good, yeah. I I like to see all sides and then come up with my own best way by putting your best ideas, his best ideas, her best ideas, and my best ideas into one super idea. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a, a narrow-minded person. I, I, well, I yeah. like to pull from a lot of different sources. When the age of the album, there there was singles, you know, it's just you'd have singles to maybe three or three, four, or if you had a really big album like a Michael Jackson album, you had like five. Or like Purple yeah. Rain had like four or five. Um so you, you know Bruce Springsteen you know, he can hit like four or five singles. It's like, so the idea that, you know, you can't have a lot of hits on an album that you can't, is it really depends on like how much work you put into the record. Right. And, and I believe the album format is really, it is really dictated by the, the imagination of the artist, right? If, if you put together something that's really thematic and, and people really dig, you can do an album. And and, and you can get people to get into it, um, especially if you go and you perform it and you show people the interconnectedness of it. Yeah. Like if they realize that the story and you go and perform live and they get the story and they say, oh, these songs go together right. or these songs kind of fit. So even if they're not a rock opera, if you have three songs that kind of fit together and you go perform them live and they're from the same record, then they're like, oh, I'm going to check that out. Exactly. That's what old bands used to do. They used to have, the, you know, songs that would fit, and you could go to that concert and you was like, "Oh, those are all the new songs from this album," and it felt like it had a theme. And, and even if it wasn't the Wall or it wasn't Tommy, it right. still felt like you know Tom Petty, Damn the Torpedoes. All those songs are not it's not a rock opera, but the songs all kind of fit. And even it's though kinda, 
I almost feel like the concept of street, like singles, I feel like that idea is kind of pushed onto independent artists. Hmm. Because it, Dua Lipa dropped a full length album in the middle of a pandemic. Miley yeah. Cyrus dropped a full on album in a whole different genre in the middle of a pandemic. These big pop stars are still dropping albums. They really yeah, are. We kind they of really are. Good. They're dropping think, albums. Granted, they have feels, the budget and the marketing yeah, teams and stuff to do it. But, yeah. but and as independent artists, if we were just a little bit more patient, put a little bit more time and really thought out, like you said, a, a thematic concept, well done album, there would be no need to drop just banger singles all the well, time. I think they, they, they got a lot of producers, you know, and I'm a producer, but I think what they try to do is they take all your energy that you could go do like an eight song album and they make you spend all that energy in one song. And that's where I think they're making a mistake because I think if you took that energy and you did a thematic album, whether it's concept or not, you're going to get some really good nuggets in there and you'll have one song or two songs that are the single, and then you'll have something you can perform. Right. That's more than one song. Exactly. So when you go to play, you're not just doing one song. And so you have, uh, you're kind of helping yourself when you go to perform because, you know, it's like I, when I do stuff, I still do albums. So I've got an album dropping like in two weeks. And it's like everything I do is kind of based on how I'm going to perform. And it, I, when I go to put this out, I'm just going to be playing this stuff live for the next two months. And that's exactly. where I, I kind of practiced it. So I would be able to do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but it's kind of like, but if you just put everything into this one thing, then you don't have anything else. And I think they need to, you kind of need to rethink that. Um, I agree with you hundred percent. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it old school and keep it new school and do both <laughs> while yeah, I mean, I, and build a fan I, base I, all in the same time. You want one of those songs to be on a Spotify playlist. I'm saying, yeah, yeah I know. I, yeah. I'll put out a record and yeah, I'm going to try to get my songs on some playlists. And I know <laughs> that people who, who go to those playlists might not listen to my record. But then, like, people who come to my show, they'll buy the vinyl. And so when they buy the vinyl, they'll listen to the whole thing, right? Or they buy the cassette, and they'll listen to the whole thing. And so right. I, I have no, I know my, there's a certain sector of my audience that will buy the merch. They'll buy the record. They'll buy the CD. They'll buy the that. And there's other people that will just listen to one song on a banger song or whatever they think is good. And, and I it's feel like, like it's important to be open-minded to both types of fans because – with the way that our world is as musicians, we're going to have both. You're going to have the people who love you for your full body of work and are going to be at your shows and sing every word and purchase all your merch. But you are also going to have those people who only love your number one song on Spotify, but that person might play it on repeat for three days straight because they love it so much. And you, yeah. you got to appreciate that love too. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Cause that's, that's how you get, you know, your, your, these playlists are like the radio, you know, they're like, they're, 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 they're how you get booked, you know, cause like, Oh, you're getting to, you're on this big EDM playlist. You're on the big progressive trance playlist, you know, you're on the new electronic new wave synth wave playlist. Like, so like you're, you're trying to target for what you do. Like, and I'm like, I'm a synth wave, new wave synth wave. 
if I get on a synthwave playlist and I get all these fans like in Norway and Amsterdam and they're, they'd like my stuff. And then that's, well, that's a place I could go. Exactly. You know, so I could actually, you know, if I got an audience and, and Denmark is like, well, now I could go to Denmark and I could go play because they yeah. like me. There. <laughs> you know, so you kind of go. I got fans there. <laughs> yeah, got fans there. the way the world is, it's weird. Like you have a lot of fans. Suddenly they've got fans in Busan, South, South, South Korea. Yeah. And suddenly you got like all these fans in Busan. So well, I could go play a club in Busan. Yeah. And, like I got fans there that dig what I'm doing. So I, well, I should go there. And that's, that's where you kind of. You, you never know because you, you get people like all over the world to get people in the Netherlands. It's, it's just, you gotta, gotta be open tonight. It's like, well, I'm not going to go outside of Boston. Like, well, maybe you should. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, like, if you got fans all over the world, like just staying in Boston, probably not the best idea. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think as musicians, we just have to be uh, aware of what our reach is and then kind of take advantage of it. And be flexible. Don't be don't be afraid to try something new. Don't be afraid to try something old again just because it didn't work the first time. I, I feel like as independent artists, we are just always chasing after the next thing that we think is gonna work, the next trend. And we, we kind of lose steam and it's it's hard because we're funding everything ourselves and we're doing all the legwork on our own, but Mm -hmm. you know with with hard work persistence and an open mind and open heart and anything can happen and and that's the beauty of being an independent artist because when it happens for you it's all yours it's all yeah. yours and yeah, you it <laughs> and you can be proud of it and you don't have to share it with anybody you know what i mean like you don't owe anybody anything and that's a really good well, that's what I like about vinyl, because like if you if you're an indie artist, right, and you if you you could sell a thousand, two thousand vinyls and make more money than you make on Spotify all year. Yeah. Yeah. If or I sell, playing at a show. Yeah, I can. I because the thing about vinyl, just to push it, is you can have a lot of cool art, right? So if you have an idea, you can have an artist do the cover. You can have liner notes. You can have your lyric sheet. You can have a poster. You have stickers. And so when the customer, your who your fan gets engaged, they really get to feel like your full artistic, you know, project. Yeah. And then, then what's cool about it is that you don't got to print like 10,000 or a hundred thousand or a million of them to make any money. You, you, because people are willing to spend pretty good money on these vinyls, you can run like a batch of a thousand or 500 and make money. Right. That you couldn't make like any other way. And so I, th I think it's a pretty cool way for indie artists to like engage their fan and actually have something you know you go to a show and you can sign it and and you know it's not just a t-shirt or something but it, it, it's a way for your fan to like i think if you physically have a record as a fan i was always a big you know oh wow i got i actually have led zeppelin 4 and i'm <laughs> playing with the cover and i'm playing with the I'm like i don't know i like that and like maybe in the digital age everybody's like well i can just live with it on my phone but I kind of still like to have it. Something to hold, something to, yeah. to hang up on your wall and something. To yeah, look at it's just day. something cool about physically having a piece of music, you know, on vinyl or something. This, this, this you know, I, I, and actually be able to read the lyrics because the sheet is bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It may I'm too old. So I can't read it when it's very tight. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's great to have you on the show. We're, um, we're kind of getting to the top of the hour, but we'd love yeah. to have you come on again when your album comes out. We'd love to do album release episodes. 
that would so be amazing yeah so we're into that and uh like i said we're trying to do this festival again in um, november so if you're not on the road and you could do like a 20 30 minute show or even if you're on the road maybe you could do it from wherever you are yeah um, that would be awesome That'd be cool. Get in touch with us. We'll we'll work it out with you if you want to do it. And maybe um, I can do the show from a tour bus, manifesting that. <laughs> yeah, it's wherever you can get a webcam and a good signal. So it's like basically wherever if you can get your webcam or your iPhone to send the signal that you're sending here, and nice. you can connect okay. it your guitars and stuff, so it comes through clean. You can do it. So that's like you know it'll work we've had people that's what they did <laughs> so um yeah we'd be looking forward to talking to you again this is going to be out again on spotify and apple audio podcast within an hour uh it'll be permanently on the youtube twitch and facebook channels and i will send you the permanent links um and you'll get the spotify link uh within an hour connected to instagram uh, so that's that's one cool thing is the Spotify podcast link actually connects to Instagram as a highlight and you can click it and go right to the full episode. Oh, cool. I'll be sharing that as soon as we get off. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll take like an hour for me to do that one. But it'll okay. be out, so, uh, it'll be out there. It'll be out there tonight sometime. <laughs> All right. Thank you Thank very you much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast to chat with you and talk about like, everything that's changed from then and now and i'm really excited to talk to you again in the future well i'm glad you're still pushing forward and you got you know you did your performance you got a record coming out so you're making making a lot of forward progress so that's cool to hear uh, we love to hear that from the artists we talk to um we look forward to talking to you about your new record when it comes out and uh thank you have a good night thank you you too bye bye